I am Liz Wright. Welcome to Live Your Best Life. The only thing that matters now is living by the power of this wonderful new creation life. We're going to become an undefeatable force of radiating glory, and we are rising up strong now in this hour. Hi, family. Thank you for tuning in for what's going to be an incredibly special, extremely inspirational conversation today. My special guest joining me for today's conversation is a man whose life has literally been transformed by the love of God in the most profound way. I mean, talk about living hope for anybody, anywhere, in no matter no matter how difficult your life circumstances may be that he really is a God of love who reaches out and transforms us when he gets hold of us. And so he, I'm, I'm not going to spoil his story. I'm going to let him tell his story, but it is it is my joy to welcome into the, com- the conversation with me today, Rocky Malloy. Rocky, welcome. Thank you, Liz, so much. It's really good to have you with us. Okay, like I said backstage before we came on, when I was listening to your story, Rocky, it moved me to tears. Be- I was so overwhelmed by how how nothing is impossible for our God of love and what happens to our lives when we experience his love and the transformation that takes place, the internal transformation, and how he's taken you for literally, and I'm going to ask you to jump off here, but literally he's taken you from a life of piracy where you were a pirate to now serving 20 million children, parents, teachers with the incredible program that you've been able to roll out through is it 23,000 schools in different countries and now I know you've moved into America we'll hear about that in a little while but with the love of God with the love of God in just it's just staggering what he's done in your life so <laughs> glory to Jesus let's hear his story can we start there you were a pirate and you ended up in prison so what happened and you met God you know what the pirate story is compelling that somebody could be that far off course and god could still use them but it's kind of in a sense it's a funny story because i was i had the imagination i was trying to help people i saw some bad things happen to a small town in southern mexico and i went there and asked them what they wanted i thought like on tv everybody wants food and blankets these people wanted weapons. They were angry. Well, as a sea captain, I had actually commanding officer or a commander in merchant marines. I had weapons. I had explosives. I had, you know, ordnance. So I started trading it to them for drugs, and then I used their drugs to trade for more weapons. And it turned into quite a deal. And the Mexican government took a dim view of it. So, yes, I was convicted on international drug smuggling and conspiracy to overthrow the national government. Wow. So what happened? What happened to you? Well, I was totally guilty, and I was even more guilty because they didn't know us. I was trafficking large caliber weapons. So um, I was sentenced immediately to prison. There was no trial. There was no nothing. It was like, you're so guilty, you're going straight to prison. And uh, three people that got sent to prison with me were hung the day we got there. 
So this is serious business. So I spent one day in a police facility. I spent one day in a federal penitentiary. I was released and I spent a third day in a county jail because of something happened that while I was in the prison, but 72 hours. So other people died for this and I was released. And when I was being released out of the federal penitentiary, there was one other American there and he was on the other side of this cyclone fence. When I first met him, they were electrocuting him. This is the kind of prison where they cut off body parts for discipline. Oh, my gosh. He was shaking. We were like shaking fingers through the cyclone, you know, like a chain link fence. And behind me was a voice that said, I've set you free now to do my work. And this guy's looking straight into the sound. And I turned back and I look and there's nothing there. So I thought I had a license from God to be a revolutionary. Just a matter of months, I was involved in another revolution with Pancho Villa's grandson in Bolivia. So I didn't learn right off the bat. It took me a while to figure it out. Gosh. So then, so you heard the audible voice of God, and then you were released. You were right. released and went to Bolivia. What's powerful to me is there was a person there that gave testimony to it. He heard the same thing I did. Yeah. And he, you know, anyway, so that's how I kind of got started. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so you ended up in Bolivia, and I know there you began to work. You met your wife, is that right? You met your beautiful no, I, wife. Okay, I'm, I'm jumping ahead slightly. What happened was in Bolivia, I got involved. Now I'm trafficking drugs or cocaine from Bolivia to the United States to buy weapons to support their revolution. So I ended up getting involved with U.S. government agencies and all kinds of other stuff. And it got, it got, I couldn't even believe it. It's like living in a movie. Because every day you thought you were going to die because you're living right on the edge. I did that for years. And so I didn't meet my wife until later. I'm trying to figure out God and, you know, I was really trying to find God the whole time. Go to heaven. I know that sounds strange, but I thought you had to die a martyr to be sure you were blocked in for heaven. So I was trying to get killed on purpose to be like a martyr. Anyway. To be with Jesus. Yeah, I know it's stupid. People think it's stupid, but I mean, if that's what you all you knew in the in the wild life you were living, I mean. It's amazing to me that you had that passion for Jesus. In the midst of all of that, you were pursuing him. That's what makes it a weird story, because I wasn't like the classic bad guy that went good. I was trying to do good, but I just didn't, you know, I kept getting mixed up with the wrong people, I guess. But I was trying to help people, and these people were having, they had violent solutions to things, so I thought that was a solution. But I figured it out. That wasn't how to do it. Okay, so fast-forwarding. You then met your wife and you began to help the children that were, that had been trafficked and subject to war crimes and so forth. And so I remember reading that part of your story and being very moved. And yeah, so your beautiful wife came on the scene. So what happened at that point? Well, I was going to this church in California and all these, I was telling them all these stories. They just thought I was did drugs and they didn't, they really didn't believe me because it was so crazy. So um, an opportunity came up 
to go to the, to the Sandinista War on the frontiers of Nicaragua and Honduras. So they said, well, if you're telling us the truth, you already lived in drug war, so you could handle it. So I said, yeah, okay. So I left. So I'm in the I'm in a war zone, and I meet this Dutch supermodel who's now my wife. She is beautiful. He was right there. So yeah, we got engaged in a couple of weeks, and you know, we ended up getting married in the Netherlands. Oh my gosh! Oh my! What was her background? I mean, obviously she she inherited a wild man. She fell in love with a wild man, right? You know, sometimes girls like the bad boy, but uh, yeah, she was a uh, she was a registered nurse, uh, RSBN, and she'd taken special training to work in tropical areas. And her parents were missionaries to Indonesia, so she actually grew up with Stone Age cannibals in in a jungle. So she was pretty familiar with that environment. So that's what she was doing when I got there. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Amazing! How long have you been together now? Uh, over thirty years. Wow, that's fantastic. And what a wild adventure. So when so when you were there, you began to work with the children. Is that where the Lord began to give you his heart for the kids? Yeah, I was working actually with the Contra soldiers. And, uh, you know, we just didn't pay attention to the children, right? They were kind of around us. We kind of just shoot them away. But for the most part, we just ignored them. And then and we at the war was withdrawing, so we moved into a place that was more engulfed in the actual war. And in the process, I've witnessed some just horrific things happening. The little kids, the communists used incendiary artillery, liquid fire on children and women. And you know, I just saw some things you can never unsee, and it really. So then I, I, for the first time ever, I just started talking to the kids. They had no idea they were in war. They thought God was killing their parents and their friends and raining fire on them. Wow. And so you just began to gather them, did you, and take care, listen to them and listen to their stories? And Yeah, the big thing was people were horrifically abusing war orphans because they weren't attached to an adult. Right. And bad things happened to these little kids. There was all kind of abuse and, you know, it was just every kind of horrible thing that I'm sure you could imagine that I probably don't like to talk about too much. So then we 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 started to to help children that were involved in sex slavery or orphans and things like that. And it was once we got into it, it was just an ocean of these little kids. And it's like this river of children pouring into this calamity every day. So we said, where's the, where's this coming from? So we started going upstream. And then we realized this was back before the internet, but, or at least I didn't have it. I lived in the jungle. Is that children that were in school were safer than children that were not in school. They weren't hundred percent safe, but they were safer. And the longer they stayed in school, the better their chances of not becoming a victim. And if they actually graduated from school, they had a fairly good shot at life. So our goal was to put Jesus of the Bible in school to motivate kids to stay in school. So they could, they began to meet the real Jesus and understand his heart for them authentically, not religious Jesus. Yeah, there's a big difference between religious Jesus and church. I mean, praise God for church and all that stuff. But when the Jesus of the Bible shows up with love for children, 
children want to be around that. And it, Liz, it worked beyond my wildest imaginations. I've been blown away by reading what you're doing with this is the seven pillars. So it's the seven the seven pillars mandate, is it, that you have as a as a project that you've been rolling out. Will you talk to us a little bit, Rocky, about what it is? Like the what are the seven pillars and how the Lord began to speak to you with it? So did you birth it here? Is this where it all started to develop? No. Amongst these I, kind of kids? There was uh, prophetic people. There were more than one. There were several of them actually saw the same vision of these pillars or mountains that controlled our society. And, you know, entertainment, sports, you know, government, things like that. But I was already on the education mountain. So when it came to me, it was kind of like a validation. And that became my mountain. And so I know there's a lot of great work happening in other ones, but uh, that's what I focus on from pre-K to 12th grade. That's what I've been called to do. And I, I work to stay inside those parameters. And um, it, because I don't see a lot of, actually, I see education going the other way. So it's been very fulfilling to um, bring a redemption to school system because, you know, the school is the largest network on earth. Gosh, is it? Wow. Just think about it. More, there's wow. all the religions, every political party, if you throw them all in one pot. School-aged children are the largest network on planet Earth. Wow, that's profound. That's profound, isn't it? And as you've brought, as you're bringing identity and value and purpose and change to their hearts and to their lives, changing the future. Yeah, the, the big thing that's worked is that only with Jesus can you find your purpose and destiny. And once a young person locks on to that God's got a plan for them, even if they don't know what it is, they know there is a plan and their job is to find what it is. Like teenage pregnancy down 80, up to 85% in some countries. Suicide, wow. not one school that we work in, now over 24,000 schools has had a suicide if we've been in that school for two years or more. That's phenomenal. Wow, oh my gosh. Which countries have you rolled across? Every single Spanish-speaking country in the world and Brazil, which is Portuguese-speaking, and this year we'll be rolling into other uh, Portuguese-speaking countries like uh, Portugal, Angola, Mozambique, and others. Oh, my gosh. And they're the kind of results that you've started to get or you have been getting. You know, in the beginning, governments were not friendly. I mean, I was arrested. My church was invaded. You know, there was all kind of really big issues and uh, people are shooting at me the government's telling me to leave because there's contracts on me but uh mm -hmm. now those same governments have waiting lists for their schools to come in we have over ten thousand schools on waiting lists we're training people to put them in the schools as fast as they can go my gosh and it's because you're basing it on the values of god's heart really Yes, and there's a kind of a counterplay is what those governments realize is when Jesus is allowed to be in a school, 
that children behave themselves and it dramatically reduces entitlement spending. They didn't mm. see that. So now Jesus, you know, the kind of just look, just the the, I, the way I see it is Jesus sitting on the side of the road and children are coming to him. That's kind of, I see it in my head. When that's allowed to happen in public education, children, when they, they want, they just do better in every area. And so that is way less expensive. So government likes that. So I'm not a, I'm not a politics guy. I've got some opinions, but the God didn't tell me to do that. So I'm for children. And so governments end up loving what we do, and they even wanted more Bible content. These are the same people that were trying to kill me earlier. Now they want more Bible content. And I can tell you it's happening in the United States, too. Oh, I was going to just ask you about what you're doing. Okay, so I was reading some of the the stats. I was, I was on your website for the U.S. for the crisis in the school system. Just some of the stats, guys, so that you guys are aware as well of, I mean, many of you will be, but how critically important your work is, Rocky. 220,300 public school teachers physically attacked by students in one year. 1.4 million crimes committed on campus every year or per year. 81% of students experiencing sexual harassment one school shooting per week, 50% of teachers quitting after only five years. Just, I I read that and thought, my gosh, the, I mean, we know the education system's in crisis all over the world, but that's in America. And I know you've recently, or quite recently, moved over there, haven't you? You've moved to Texas. Will you talk to us about what you're doing over there? Because it's obviously critically needed. Well, there was a very important Supreme Court case that came down this last summer. It was a uh, football coach that was fired for praying. And after seven years of all the things that went through, the Supreme Court said that his First Amendment rights were denied. When they did that, they overturned something called lemons. For the last 51 years, lemons, they called it the lemons test. And that's how they took out prayer. They took out Ten Commandments. They did all these things that were part of our history. They took them out. That's how they, you know, justified taking statues and all this other stuff. Well, that was overturned. So now prayer is back in school. So who's going to do it? So people, like, because it came down the same time Roe versus Wade, it, it got overlooked. I, I agree, Roe versus Wade was huge. So now we're putting, we're training people to be chaplains in public schools. They can work in private schools also. But now that's a designated prayer person who brings spiritual care and healing to teachers and students and is being well received. Is it? Because it's essential. It's essential. And like you said, when, so what you, what you found is actually true is that when people experience the love of Jesus, when students experience it and they experience the reality of his presence, his person, and his love, and they 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 realize their value. Everything starts to change, and the proof's there, isn't it? The evidence is there. Like you said, the teenage pregnancies, the statistics dropping dramatically, suicides stopping. <sighs> amazing, amazing. I've been reading about Gen Z recently as well, 
and um, there's never been such a troubled generation in our history, as far as we're aware, the stuff that hits them and the mental health that's a result of that and the suicide rates and so forth. And yeah, there's never been a more important time or a more ingenuity yeah, for us to bring prayer, bring mm-hmm. Jesus back into the school system because he's the truth. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's true. So Jesus, when Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, "Why have you, why have you come?" He said, "I came to bring truth." So that's the real. I think the real key, and no, it's not surprising. Generation Z has so many problems because their parents were the first one to go through education that was godless. They can't. Mm-hmm. And what's home? What kind of toxic stress do we have when there's no solution? If you don't have God, man, I, I don't. I can't imagine. But it's to be that lack of hope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for people to be able to understand and children to be able to understand their innate value as a foundation in their heart, you know, that they have value beyond their grades, beyond how they behave temporarily. But actually, when that part, I mean, I think it's the same for all of us, isn't it? For me, certainly the moment I understood my value because I met Jesus, my whole life changed. My whole life changed because I had I had innate value irrespective. I, I was set free from performance and from defining myself and my value based on other people's opinions of me or my position in life. You know, and I think put that foundation in and a child's life is completely different. And that's what you're doing. You know Absolutely. what? My- I was so really just messed up as a kid, not on purpose, just I was just kind of floating through life, thinking a lot of things like you said, that my value depended on performance and all those things. So that's why I have totally dedicated my life to children to help them have the information. I probably was exposed to me, but I just didn't pick it up. So to help children with this very area of life, who they are in Christ. And once it, once I guess determined, everything else works itself out. Wow. Wow. And the success story is there to be told through your organization. So so what are you doing now? We just have a few minutes left. What are you doing now with America? Are you rolling out across the school system? Right now, there's bills in Texas and, and other states that will fund chaplains. Chaplains are legal to work in schools, and there's chaplains that work in schools right now all over the country. But we want to make it a movement because these people are very careful in their, they just want to serve the Lord and not be, you know, involved in any politics, which I get that. But when these bills pass and are very highly favored to pass, that means chaplains now will become standard a member of school staff. That means there's a person there that knows how to pray, when to pray, what to do, help teachers with their, you know, the Bible. Did you know that 48 states require the Bible to be used in school education? Wow. And the, the, who's, who's, who's watching to make sure that's being applied properly or even at all? So mm-hmm. yeah, chaplains are going to be huge and it's going to open up a massive venue for God to come back, faith and prayer to be back in public school. Wow. So exciting. What hope, what hope, what change, hey? and it's so critically needed. And obviously what you're doing works everywhere. 
I mean, like you, you're across so many countries, you've had fruit consistently everywhere you go out. So for people who are you know, educators out there, parents, people who want to get hold of you and find out more, how do they reach you, Rocky? They can go to our website, which is nationalschoolchaplainassociation.org. And all my contact, my phone number, everything's right there. So they could call me if they just find where I'm at, which is the same place as you went. So it's nationalschoolchaplainassociation.org, and they can get all the information they need. Okay. Amazing. Thank you. So if that's something that would be a rich resource for you, because I know there are lots of people at the moment just working on, on solutions for education, homeschooling and school systems, trying to find a way through. And this is a way through. Clearly, it, it works. Jesus works. So Rocky, just in finishing, can I ask you to pray for people, perhaps people who are just desperate, you know, like you were and yeah, whatever is in your heart. I was desperate. If you're a parent out there and your child is not serving the Lord, believe me, there is hope. I was as lost as you can get. I mean, I was sentenced to life in federal penitentiary in southern Mexico. That's pretty lost. And I was redeemed. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the confidence that every parent has in the redempting blood of Jesus Christ, Father, and their children can, will come back to what they were given when they were little, Father. I thank you for every parent's faith in you, Father, that their children will be and have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Father, thank you for the opportunity to bring hope and faith to moms and dads, knowing that their children can have their values and have eternal destiny in Christ Jesus. Amen. We agree. Amen. Amen. Rocky, thank you. Your story is hope. Like I said at the beginning, it really is. And what you're doing, thank you. Thank you for being an advocate for children, for so many vulnerable ones that have no voice, just being there for them, an essential voice at this time. And, you know, as we get the education system right, it changes the future, doesn't it? What What is taught to the children now will be the belief system they hold and live out from and create the future from. And the Lord wants our future to be bright. And so thank you for being with us. Thank you for all that you do. We really honor you, really appreciate you. And guys, thank you for joining us today for this extremely inspirational conversation and just have the most amazing, amazing week. I look forward to being with you again next Monday. God bless. Two years ago, Jesus spoke to me and he said, if I would create a space for him, he would come. And so I did. And what he has done in the last two years is absolutely incredible. He birthed what is now known as the International Mentoring Community. Every week, myself, along with other international guest speakers, come on live and they pour in God's love and revelation straight from their heart, from their own relationship with Jesus into you. There is an activation anointing on my life. And so every single week, as we come together at the feet of Jesus, I have an environment in which I can impart this anointing onto you. This is a supernatural mentoring community and I do not want anyone to miss out. He is healing us. He's setting us free. He never ever misses a week with us. His presence is so strong among us. 
He wants to do the same for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. He wants to take you into deeper experiences with him than you thought was even possible. We are gathering at the feet of Jesus by his personal invitation. So I want to personally invite you now to come and join us and sit at his feet with us.